Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Senator Sherrod Brown discusses efforts to hold regulators accountable for dropping the ball on recent bank failures and the ongoing push for more stringent rail safety measures. Also this morning, we're down to the final four in both the men's and women's NCAA basketball tournaments this weekend. And as you might have guessed, all the madness has everyone buzzing. In case you missed it happening this weekend, everybody cut foot loose. Members of the cast join us to talk about the Findlay High School musical, and we get a preview of the 47th annual Silver Blades Ice Classics show. And another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, March 31st, 2023. A new survey from the occupational, it says the Survey of Occupational Injuries and Illness. A survey of Occupational Injuries and Illnesses have come up with a list of the occupations where you are most likely to get injured on the job. And I thought this was interesting because initially the first thing that you might think is what probably construction or working in heavy heavy machinery, something like that, those are probably the most dangerous jobs. But the most common cause of workplace injuries, according to the survey, is other people. <laughs> it's not big uh, machinery, uh, dangerous uh, machines or uh, you know dangerous activity on the job. It's other people. And thus, the Occupations where you're most likely to get injured on the job, psychiatric nurses, bus drivers, school teachers, and medical nurses are among the professions most likely to be hit, kicked, or bitten at work. And that is the most common cause of workplace injury. Now, luckily, they say that workplace injuries have dropped in categories like overexertion, repetitive stress, and slips and falls. We're making workplaces safer, but we just can't avoid the injuries caused by other people. You just can't account for that. I mean, you can you can do things to mitigate slip and fall injuries or repetitive stress injuries. You can't really control the other idiots that you work with. Um So while workplace injuries have dropped in some of those categories, this also means the jobs where Americans are most likely to be injured are now primarily worked by women, which is kind of interesting. Women much more likely to be injured on the job than men. So now they say training in de-escalation, keeping staffing levels reasonable, and increasing pay are some ways that employers can keep employees safe. I don't know how increasing pay will keep them safe, but I guess maybe because they can afford <laughs> to buy suits of armor or something when they go to work. I didn't say that's it. But just kind of interesting. One of the first things you need to know as you are waking up on this Friday morning, heading to uh, work, <laughs> getting ready for work. Uh, if you are working in any of those occupations, congratulations. You're most likely to get injured today on the job. Uh, we're coming up on uh, spring break time. I know some folks have already had their uh, spring break vacation. Others uh, will be taking it um, maybe this coming week sometime. We're coming up on Holy Week. Um, uh, Easter uh, will be right around the corner, and that's you know usually the time when we get a little bit a uh, little bit of time off. Maybe take a spring break vacation in China. They have their own twist on spring break this year. Nine colleges in china are giving students a week off to fall in love (laughs) uh during the month of april students are asked to keep a travel diary as part of their there's a unique homework assignment no they're really they're giving students a week off and basically telling them go fall in love that's the goal walk out of campus get in touch with nature And with your heart, feel the beauty of spring, is the advice of Chinese officials. Um, This new twist on what we would call spring break may be in part due to plummeting birth rates in China. You remember years ago when the Chinese birth rate was, was so high that they had to limit 
of the size of families. You could only have, what, one child? And uh, all of, well, that has reversed itself, and now birth rates are plummeting in China, and they're worried. They don't like it. The population is uh, population increases are slowing. Um, there is a twist to all of this. Students will need to make up for the time off by going to school on the weekends when they return. So you don't really get a break so much as get to pause <laughs> their education to fall in love. A very unique homework. So it's only in China can the government order you to fall in love. Go out and fall in love. That's it. Anyway. Uh, so a couple of other uh, items here. Among the uh, first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, driverless cars are becoming an increasingly common sight in a number of cities. Uh, San Francisco, Phoenix, a couple of the cities that are, have gone all in on driverless technology. The problem is, just like with workplace injuries, other human beings are the problem. Here is the same thing is happening with, with driverless cars in San Francisco and Phoenix. Uh, the uh, problem turns uh, with, with driverless cars turns out to be the humans. Uh, human drivers are being the jerks in these scenarios. According to a report on NBC News, drivers are increasingly crashing into driverless vehicles and then leaving the scene without reporting the accidents. <laughs> so they're ramming into the driverless cars and then taking off. The problem is particularly pronounced in San Francisco, where uh, midnight revelers tend to run afoul of late-night driverless taxis. <laughs> I don't know if they're doing it on purpose or whether it's just regular accidents that then drivers figure, well, there's no other driver in the other car. I can just drive off and no big deal. So maybe it's on purpose. Maybe it's by accident. I don't know. But just like with the workplace injuries... <laughs> The problem, it appears, with driverless cars are not the driverless cars. It's the human drivers that are causing all of the issues. Kind of interesting. I thought that was. Uh, here is speaking of advancements or, you know, modern sensibilities and, and so on. You know, these days, uh, more and more people are going vegan, giving up meat uh, because they're concerned over the feelings of the animals. They don't like killing animals because animals have feelings. Well, it turns out that maybe plants do too. In a scientific discovery that might someday leave vegans with absolutely nothing to eat, on a clear conscience, <laughs> researchers in Israel say that tomatoes scream when they are cut from their stems. This is out of Tel Aviv University. They say tomatoes and other plants emit sounds when they are under stress, the same as animals do. It's just that our human ears cannot detect it. Even in a quiet field, there are actually sounds that we don't hear, and these sounds carry information. Uh, there are animals that can hear these sounds, so there is the possibility that a lot of acoustic interaction is occurring. This is according to evolutionary biologist and study author Lilak Hadenay. Uh, the uh, scientists added a sample of such sounds where they adjusted the frequency so that humans can hear it. So in the report, they added an audio clip. While scientists already knew that plants emit vibrations, this is the first time it has been revealed that plant communication is airborne and can be heard by fellow plants and other species. So with respect to these screaming tomatoes, the researchers... <laughs> screaming tomatoes... <laughs> That sounds like a bad B-movie, you know? Um, <laughs> attack of the Screaming Tomatoes. Researchers set up recorders in soundproof rooms and recorded several kinds of plants, including tomatoes, as they were put under stress, either by denying them water or cutting the, uh, cutting the tomatoes off of their stems. And sure enough, an algorithm was able to determine that the uh, various sounds emitted from the stressed plants differed from those that were not being harmed. And even moreover, the algorithm was able to uh, determine which plants were being denied water and which were being cut 
just by the sounds that the plants made. So, <laughs> screaming tomatoes. Take that, vegans! <clears throat> and lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, this is actually big news. One of the more popular provisions of Obamacare may be going away. Now, again, Obamacare 12 years on uh, is still a very controversial 12, almost 13 years uh, that it has been part of the law of the land still remains controversial. But there are some provisions that many people have come to appreciate. And for the past dozen or so years, one of those popular provisions is the fact that Americans have been eligible to receive free annual screenings for certain deadly diseases as part of their health insurance coverage. There's a provision in the Affordable Care Act that makes this cost-free for patients. Now, a federal judge has forbidden the government from enforcing that law. Thus, the availability of no-cost screenings for breast cancer, diabetes, and heart disease, among others, is at risk. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Kind of uh, one of those news stories that's flying under the radar here. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Rainy and windy today. A high of 59. Rainy and windy tonight. A low of 49. The Finley-Hancock County Economic Development Office says the Ohio Department of Transportation has approved the final $26.9 million for the redesign of the I-75 County Road 99 interchange on the north end of Findlay. Finley-Hancock County Economic Development Director Dan Schaefer. The Economic Development Office has partnered with the city and the county and ODOT to bring this project to fruition. The project will kick off construction in the spring of 2024. Dan says the new Diverging Diamond Interchange will be a game changer for the area's commercial and industrial community. See those designs and more of the timeline on our website. It's been one year since Bluffton Police Officer Dominic Francis died in the line of duty and WTOL 11's Kaylee Marantat spoke with Dominic's widow, Ricky. Ricky says Dominic was a father, coach, substitute teacher, volunteer firefighter, and a stranger to no one. Huge eye-opening to so many of us around here that we need to honor the people like Dom before they're gone because he did so much for so many people. And I think even myself sometimes took for granted how outstanding of a human being he was. WTOL reporting that the Officer Dominic Francis Memorial Scholarship Fund will fund scholarships for two students this year. A new law will be taking effect in Ohio, tightening the state's voter ID requirements. The new law requires a state-issued photo identification, removing the option of using bank statements or bills as proof of your address. Several local leaders appeared at the state house to talk about the problems they see with these ID requirements. I'm Tracy Townsend. The first week of April is National Public Health Week, and this year, Hancock Public Health will be recognizing one individual and one community agency as 2022 Champions of Public Health. The health department says the 2022 Champions of Public Health will be honored in a public ceremony on Tuesday at the health department at 2225 Keith Parkway in Findlay. Remember, you can always get more news online at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. We're going to jump right into it with our cover story this morning. Earlier this week, federal regulators were themselves grilled by the Senate Banking Committee and committee chair, Sherrod Brown. It was the first hearing on those recent bank failures. These bank executives face less accountability than a cashier who miscounts the cashier's box. That's why I'll be introducing legislation to strengthen regulators' ability to impose fines and penalties, to claw back bonuses, to ban executives who cause bank failures from ever working in another bank. And yesterday, we spoke with Senator Sherrod Brown about the issue of dealing with these bank failures. Earlier this week, you had some very harsh words for federal watchdogs who were supposed to be monitoring uh, these banks uh, in the wake of the uh, bank failures uh, that have been in the news uh, recently. Should someone lose their job for dropping the ball here? 
Well, the, first of all, the executives were the most guilty, and they have lost their jobs, although uh, they, they've really paid no price because they've been making millions of dollars a year, and they're not working for this bank anymore. And the, the um, investors in this bank, those two banks, um, lost their investments, as they should, when a bank is run that badly. Um, the, the problem at the Federal Reserve has been Congress weakened the rules five years ago, then the president weakened the rules four years ago, and the Federal Reserve has not been as strict because of, of that culture in, in making sure that these banks behave the way they should. The banks have spent decades lobbying Congress. They get their way. They spend decades lobbying the regulators. They get their way. Um, I'm not surprised at what happened, but we've got to change that culture. And we had in front of us the vice chair of supervision, Michael Barr, who I'm pushing informally and, and publicly hard to finally stand up to the banks and do what we need to do on on um, on capital standards, on uh, on uh, on the stress tests, and all of those things that 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 matter to make banks operate more safely. So, to be clear, are we talking about better uh, enforcement of existing safeguards, um, bringing back regulations that were rolled back, or? making more regulation or uh, adding more regulations to the mix? Well, most, I mean, the banks have gotten away with weakening the, the rules. They, they simply didn't have to do enough uh, over the last five years. So we want to bring back those rules and break. I don't think it'll be new rules and regulations, but just bring back those safety and soundness rules. And most, most banks are behaving well. I mean, Ohio has three major, uh, they're not, big Wall Street banks, we have three major regional banks, Key and Fifth Third and Huntington. Uh, They have operated well. They followed the rules of safety and soundness, uh, but some banks haven't. And it's not the community banks that have been violating this. It's often Wall Street. It's often these these medium-sized banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. And we've got it because when when something happens to them, I I don't care about the investors and the CEO if they have to pay. I don't care if they're hurt and they should pay a price, maybe a legal price. We don't know that for sure, but we will do here. The executives, we want them to come in and testify. Their lawyers are protecting them so far and say no. But um, we need to make sure that they're following the, the rules, that the rules are strengthened, and that the Federal Reserve is more aggressive in the California, in this case, the California bank regulators are more aggressive. Also wanted to ask you real quickly, because the last time we talked, uh, we spoke about rail safety legislation in the wake of Norfolk Southern's issues, uh, most notably in East Palestine several uh, weeks ago. You had just uh, proposed legislation with your counterpart in the Senate, J.D. Vance. What is the status of that legislation? Yeah, there was another derailment last night um, in a little small town, hour and a half, two hours west of Minneapolis, where people had to leave their homes in the middle of the night uh, with uh, some, some you know, there was a small fire. Uh, we don't know for sure what happened there. Um, but uh, Vance and I, are, it's a bipartisan bill. We're moving forward in this bill. We hope after Easter to have a markup in the committee. Senator Schumer, the majority leader of the Senate, is all on, on board. I can use that word. Um, And the president of the United States has told me he'd sign it. So we will get this bill through the Senate. The House may be a challenge because the Speaker of the House um, is, is, is frankly too close to the railroads. The railroads have had their way, like the banks, for too many years around here. And Senator Vance and I bipartisanly want to break that hold they have on, on Congress and on the regulators. Real quickly, uh, as you may know, state uh, transportation, the state transportation budget bill uh, has uh, added some rail safety measures at the state level. Are you okay with the state stepping in here as well? Yeah, I'm fine if the state adds too, rather than takes away. I I know that the governor has um, first. He and I talked about this weeks ago, right after the the, um, the derailment that that these trains come into the state carrying hazardous materials, and they don't have to tell the state they're in the state. They don't have to tell local firefighters. In East Palestine, there's one full-time paid firefighter. He's the chief, and then another 20 or 25, I think 22 um, uh, volunteers. They they don't have hazmat training to, to, training to fight hazmat fires. They also don't have the equipment to do it. So the state's got to figure that out, how we do those regionally. Um, and the governor's right that we need to make sure that, that that's part of our bill to make sure that, that local authorities know these trains are coming through carrying hazardous material that can cause terrible problems like it did in East Palestine. 
Senator Sherrod Brown. Thanks very much for taking the time this morning. We appreciate it, as always. Always. Thanks very much, Chris. So we are down to the final four in the NCAA basketball tournament this weekend. The term March Madness has been an accurate descriptor of what's transpired to this point, and it has truly captured everyone's attention. Searches related to the tournament were the top trending sports topics in the world this month, according to Google. Bailey Thompson, Google technology expert, is with us this morning. Probably trends big every March, I would uh, think, but especially with the number of upsets and and all of that. I was surprised, though, to learn that this is such a global uh, trending topic, not just here in the U.S. Yeah, folks are interested. I mean, I think you've got, especially as teams become more international, it's not just U.S. players. We've got a number of players from coming in from around the world. So folks are very interested in this wild thing that we call March Madness and people making brackets and brackets busting and teams getting upset. So people are definitely interested. And what I also thought was interesting for all of the excitement in the men's bracket this year, the women's tournament is getting a lot of attention as well. Yes, folks are very interested in women's, the women's tournament much more than the men's um, this year. Caitlin Clark is one of the top, is the top trending female players. Um, She plays for Iowa, which they're headed to the final four this weekend. So folks are Folks, folks are excited. They're probably a bit more excited because um, the results are, you know, top teams versus what we are seeing in the men's on the men's side, where there have been so many upsets. Yeah, uh, you do this uh, breakdown of uh, trends uh, on a on a monthly basis. And and speaking of women, uh, March also, of course, Women's History Month. Uh, what have been the trending search topics related to that? So Women's History Month um, is definitely a, a top contender here um, in March. Um, people are under trying to figure out who are the important women in history. So we talk about women that have brought us to where we are. Uh, Susan B. Anthony was one of the top search women, along with Rosa Parks in Malala Yousafzai. I just make sure I yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. A lot of historical uh, figures uh, among those, and I again, I suppose it's not necessarily a surprise. I would have uh, wondered, or maybe been a little bit uh, less surprised if we've seen some more contemporary uh, names on those lists, though. Yeah, but you know what was surprising for women's history is more people are searching for women in construction. So when you think about women in different industries, business, tech, finance construction was the top search for um, what women, what folks are searching for the industry that women are in. And this is tripled between last year and this year. So that there's your little surprising uh, bit of search. Any, any idea why that might be or. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I, you know, I think women in business um, obviously still working on representation across industries, but Mm -hmm. maybe just women in construction, something that's Hmm. really a a bit newer. Uh, Maybe that's a, a, a trend worth watching to see if that continues to pick up speed. And maybe we'll hear more about that in the, uh, in the future. I guess that's part of what's interesting about some of these trends is that maybe you get an early look at maybe something we'll be talking about in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Of course, you also have uh, St. March is a big month. Uh, You have St. Patrick's Day. You've got daylight saving time, uh, even trending topics related to Pi Day earlier this month. That's right. Um, Folks were kind of all over the place. And a lot of this does revolve around um, days or, you know, typical things that happen during March. Um, So to your point, I think there's things where topics that people are interested in on a cyclical basis, but there's always fun little facts that pop up during the month. So Pi Day, um, people have taken February 14th, I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, March 14th and turned it into Pi Day as in P-I-E versus just P-I. Yeah. Um, so folks searching across the country for different uh, for different types of pie, whether nice. it's sweet or it's savory or cream. So locally, um, strawberry, chicken pot pie, and banana cream are what pe- <laughs> people are searching for. So there you go. Um, and and. We mentioned daylight saving time. I thought it was kind of interesting. The uh, It was an all-time high, it says here, for the uh, question, when does daylight saving time permanently end? And again, this, is, this kind of reflects something that we've been talking about in the news, uh, efforts to do away with daylight saving time. At least according to the searches, it, it appears that maybe people are ready for that. Yeah, it sounds like it. I think people were people were searching a lot around sleep. So am I losing an hour? Are you losing an hour? Are we losing an hour? How do you make up an hour? So I think folks are just a little tired of 
no pun intended, that back and forth with, um, with time. So yeah. folks are wondering when, when will this end? And uh, of course the Oscars uh, generated a lot of buzz, uh, but for all the right reasons this year, uh, again, last year, everything that any was, was talking about was the uh, infamous slap. Uh, obviously uh, none of that this year. And we were actually focusing on what they want us to focus on with the Oscars. Yeah, folks were actually focused on the movies and the the winners. So our top search nominees for acting were the top four were all winners. So Brandon Fraser, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michelle Yao, Kei Hui Kwan, all winners. Um, from all their first time winners. Movies. First time winners. That's yeah. right. So it was. Folks were really interested in the people. Jamie Lee Curtis was, I found, really interesting. She was, like I said, one of the top search nominees. Um, but her speech was also the top search speech. And then her parents even spiked um, after she mentioned them in her speech. Always really interesting to uh, pick apart uh, the uh, trending topics uh, from one month to the uh, to the next. And. What are the ones, I mean, we've hit some of the highlights here. Are there, any, are there any others that kind of stood out to you that were particularly interesting? So we always try to look at odd news. So what are those uh, those those oddities, those weird things that you weren't really expecting? And this month was moon phases. Um, yeah. I guess March is special because a new moon and the spring equinox, equinox happened together. So folks were really interested in what that meant. Um, I had to do my own searching to understand what that meant, but folks looking for a moon trend and lunar phase, uh, just figuring out what, what's happening, what's the significance, why is, what is my moon phase? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the, the, the new one this, this month. Really interesting stuff. Uh, you've compiled all of this data on your website, obviously. Where do folks go if they want to dig into some of the uh, trending topics for the month of March? Yeah, so anyone can be a Google Trends expert. Um, if they go to google.com slash trends, they can see what's spiking um, from the month and year that's over the over the time. So whatever they want to look at. Uh, again, uh, Bailey Thompson with his Google technology expert talking about the uh, trending topics uh, where they relate to the NCAA tournament and everything else that we were buzzing about in the month of March. Bailey, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris. So another weekend just hours away, and if you are looking for something to do this weekend, our area's young people are in the spotlight. In case you missed it, yesterday on the program, members of the cast, the Findlay High School musical Footloose joined us in the studio to preview this weekend's production. My name is Eva. I play the character Vi, who is uh, Ariel's mother and also Shaw's wife. Mm-hmm. I take on kind of a very caring role in trying to understand everybody and help everybody get through their issues together. Yeah. Okay, and we have... My name is Roz Hertenstein. I'm playing Ariel Moore. Um, Ariel's kind of a rebellious teenager going through some grief, and uh, she wants to have a good time, but also build a better relationship with her father. And next up we have... I'm Nolan. I play Ren McCormick, and basically I come from... A city, Chicago, into this small town, and I just shake everything up, <laughs> and just a huge rebel. A dangerous I guess. outsider. Yeah, the dangerous outsider. Uh, hey, my name is Gaben Helms, and I play uh, Shaw Moore, Reverend Shaw Moore. I'm Ariel's father and Vi's husband. Kind of the leader of the town. Kind of help keep everybody in line, and I'm kind of just trying to lead us towards the righteous path and. I deal with a lot of people challenging that, and it's going to show a lot of growth throughout the very show. Very uncertain about this new kid from Chicago. Yeah, not yeah. very, not like him very much. Yeah. I know that most everybody has, has seen the movie. I'm, I'm curious, at the risk of making myself feel really old here, how many of you had actually seen the original movie before this, uh, before the musical was announced? Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. I had as well. Okay. I. I didn't watch it until, like, <laughs> the day before auditions. So, yeah. so the, the, the play follows the, the story pretty uh, closely. Um, so if you're familiar with the, uh, the story, you'll be familiar with the uh, synopsis uh, of the play. How much fun is it to do a, a, a musical like this? As opposed to, I mean, you know, The Music Man or Brigadoon, those are great shows, but this is obviously much more contemporary, 
and uh, much more relatable. Um, I think it's really fun since we can kind of relate to the characters and the environment more. It's just fun to play out roles that are kind of similar to what we face today, but obviously more fun and like yeah, yeah. It, it's a lot of fun. It's like you said, it's something that we all relate to, and we know the story, so mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun to mm-hmm. kind of get to act it out. And it's a lot more serious than I feel like a lot of musicals or plays you've done at the high school so far. Like it's kind of fun to take something and be like really emotional or be really uh, sentimental about it. There, there is some. I mean, it's a fun uh, show, but there, is, there are some uh, serious uh, underlying issues mm-hmm. and you know some emotional moments in that. I mean. Ariel, I know you have uh, a yes. number of them in, yes. in your character. That's one thing I've really enjoyed doing is the emotional scenes. I can kind of let loose. I can yell at somebody. I can, you can cry on loose. stage. I can, yeah. yeah, I really enjoy those emotional aspects of the character. Uh, some of the uh, members of the cast uh, joining us in the uh, studio yesterday morning to preview the Finlay High School musical. You can cut loose with the kids uh, this weekend. And if you want more information uh, about the Finlay High School musical that is uh, opening tonight, running the weekend, uh, you can check our webpage, goodmornings.net. Scroll down to yesterday's show, and we have the link there. Also recently, we talked about the 47th annual Silver Blades Ice Classics show, Into the Unknown, and that also happening this weekend. The Ice Classics show, 47th annual, the theme is Into the Unknown. What's that all about? It's actually based on literature this year. Every year we pick a new theme to kind of keep things alive and different. Mm -hmm. So this year is literature. So Into the Unknown is how... We view books. So as children, you pick up that favorite book. Your parent reads that to you every night. Mm -hmm. It's kind of your way of connecting with some new things around you. And then as you grow, you kind of move into the classics and um, just opening up those old crinkly pages, knowing how many people have read this story before you. Mm -hmm. The worn cover, the dog-eared pages, the notes in the columns. So those old literature pieces will be highlighted and then the second half of our show is going to move on to the newer classics. So okay. um, you have Twilight and Hunger Games, things like that that our children are looking at. We Those know things when, that get our kids in, yeah, e- excited about they're reading. They're picking yeah. up the book, and they're the first ones to open up that spine. They're the ones that are still smelling that new, those yeah. new pages. So yeah. it's a really neat contrast, I think, um, just in that world of literature. And you may have a gray day like this where you want to go home and say, you know what, <laughs> I forgot all about that book. I didn't, you know, I hadn't read that since I was in elementary school. So it may be something you want to go home and pick up. And so we're really hoping to spread literacy. So that's uh, really interesting. How then does that uh, manifest itself, this theme? Uh, you incorporate that into the production of mm-hmm. the Ice Classics show. Yeah, so one of the... One of the books that we're highlighting is Winnie the Pooh. So, you know, okay. our younger kids are going to have costuming gotcha. and props. Everything okay. is going to be focused around that. All right. Um, we have a Christmas carol. So one of our sets is the fireplace, the wingback chair, and a Christmas tree. Um, Little Women, Romeo and Juliet, 101 Dalmatians. I'm going to let you picture costumes what that could be for that. <laughs> okay. um, Pete the Cat, Harry Potter. Um, Legally Blonde, Pitch Perfect, you're getting into some of the newer ones, Wicked, mm-hmm. Twilight, you know, so it's it's just neat. The costumes, the props, the back wall, everything that we put together for our children in this ice show will tie those themes together. And how much input do the skaters have, especially once you get into those uh, upper uh, ages? Yeah, actually what we do is we have anyone is allowed to apply to be the show director. Okay. And so the show director will come to the board. They'll have an idea. They'll have a layout of what music they want, an idea of the costumes. Gotcha. What age range they think each one of these themes would go well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we vote as a board on what theme we'd like to see go forward and vote on the show director. Um, And then, yeah, some kids have a say in a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Costumes are pretty much set for all the younger kids. But when you get into features, they'll give you an idea of what they want your feature outfit to look like. But you have a lot of... Um, and, and input I, into yeah, I would look. imagine that the the kids really look forward to this. This is the opportunity to really show off what they've been doing all year. This is their Disney on Ice. Yeah, 
you know, this is their end of year dance recital. This mm-hmm. is what they get to do that they've worked so hard all year yeah. for. Uh, so the young people in the spotlight uh, this weekend uh, here in the community with uh, the Finlay High School musical Footloose and the 47th annual Silver Blades Ice Classics show. Uh, you want to get more information on that event, again, check out our webpage, goodmornings.net. We've got a link up there. And uh, get out and celebrate our youth and some really terrifically talented young people strutting their stuff uh, this weekend on the ice and on the stage. It's good stuff. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Gentleman by the name of Spencer Warner has been arrested. Um uh, <laughs> You know, baseball season is uh, underway now, and not just uh, Major League Baseball uh, opening day yesterday, but the college baseball season is underway. Spencer Warner was arrested for apparently streaking in the middle of the baseball field during a Texas A&M game (laughs) against rival Texas. Uh, So it was Texas A&M and the University of Texas. Uh, Spencer Warner, in addition to showing his bear behind, Mr. Warner appeared to be holding a sign that read, Longhorns suck. (laughs) So a little school spirit there. All while wearing a Darth Maul Star Wars mask. Uh, He has now been banned from A&M baseball games for the next two years. Uh, and unfortunately, his antics failed to motivate his team as the Longhorns beat the Aggies 5-2 to two on Tuesday. So, <laughs> uh, we're back to all of those great traditions of baseball. Sports. Great <laughs> sports tradition of streaking. Uh, this is all kinds of weird. In Portland, Oregon, a man is accused of stealing a forklift of all the things to steal, stole a forklift in downtown Portland and then was seen laughing maniacally as he chased pedestrians. (laughs) The suspect stole the forklift from a parking garage. A witness told police she saw him drive onto the sidewalk and then chase pedestrians while laughing and yelling, I literally stole this. No one was injured. A police officer arrived on the scene and the suspect drove toward the patrol car but was stopped before he could uh, damage the car. Uh, Jeffrey Zelinsky told the officer there might be a federal warrant uh, for his arrest. He was taken into custody for burglary, theft, and driving a stolen vehicle. (laughs) Really weird. Stole a forklift and laughing maniacally as he chased pedestrians. Wow. Our Dumb Criminals of the Day award goes to a pair of Maryland teens who attempted to carjack a vehicle, and they would have gotten away for uh, good, would have gotten away with it if they knew how to drive a stick shift. <laughs> Sixteen and a seventeen-year-old names not given in the report because they're minors. They were arrested and charged for a carjacking that took place over the weekend, according to the Montgomery County Department of Police. The duo ran up. On an adult male victim who had just finished pumping gas, tried to enter his vehicle. The teens then forced the door open, grabbed a hold of the victim, and demanded his keys. After the juveniles entered the vehicle, they attempted to drive away, but after realizing they couldn't drive a stick shift, they took off on foot. (laughs) After a brief foot chase, the pair were taken into custody. They are being held without bond, charged as adults with one count of carjacking and one count of conspiracy carjacking. So <laughs> did not end well <laughs> all because they couldn't drive a stick. Uh, <laughs> a passenger at Miami international airport allegedly tried to smuggle some bird eggs into the country recently of all of the things to smuggle bird eggs. And again, he might've gotten away with it. If one of the eggs hadn't hatched in the process, (laughs) that's bad luck. Um, (laughs) Shu Tawu was on a flight from Nicaragua and had almost made it through customs and border protection checkpoints when an agent heard a squeaking or chirping sound coming from his carry-on bag. According to federal court documents, 
When a customs agent investigated further, he found eggs and a baby bird. In total, in total Mr. Wu admitted to having 29 eggs in his luggage. U.S. Fish and Wildlife officers concluded that eight of the eggs had hatched and were or were in the process of hatching. Investigators believe the eggs were smuggled as part of the exotic animal trade. So <laughs> he's been charged with smuggling uh, goods, uh, smuggling goods into the country. <laughs> Would have gotten away with it had one of the eggs not hatched. <laughs> This is all kinds of bizarre. Uh, A man in Honolulu was hit with a parking bill, a parking fine, after dropping his wife off in downtown Honolulu. The man said he spent just two minutes inside the residences at Bishop Place parking structure on Wednesday morning. But when he tried to exit the parking structure and pay for his parking... (laughs) He, his bill for parking just a couple of minutes, $11,000. $11,000. Luckily for his bank account and for his sanity, security let him leave without paying the astronomically high bill. Officials with the parking management company say it was a mistake caused by a network error and it is now fixed. <laughs> Eleven thousand. I mean, I know if you've ever been uh, to Hawaii uh, or any big city, really, um, it it can get very expensive to park. But eleven thousand dollars for two minutes is probably a little excessive. Probably even for Hawaii, that's a little excessive. And finally, in the broken news this morning, a story with a happy ending. uh, Pennsylvania State Police. Uh, This is from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania State Police are being celebrated for helping to rescue a scared kitten from an interstate highway. The rescue group Paws of Pennsylvania posted the story on its social media page. Uh, Troopers shut down part of Interstate 83 in Harrisburg for a short time on Sunday to retrieve the kitten who was stranded in the median of the road. The organization says Trooper Barry transported the cat to their facilities where the uh, little male kitten was checked out by a vet. Uh, They say the kitten, which they have named Trooper, remarkably did not have any major industries. He'll be up for adoption once he is uh, once he has been neutered and uh, as has healed. He will be uh, up for adoption. So shut down an entire interstate highway to save a little kitten. Well, Kudos to those troopers. There you go. And kudos to Trooper, the kitten. There you go. Uh, That is today's Broken News Report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Ever wonder what being a Finley Rotarian is all about? I'm Alyssa Preston, director of the Hancock County Convention and Visitors Bureau. I am proud to be a Finley Rotarian because locally we make an impact by recognizing amazing educators in the Finley and Hancock County area through the Golden Apple Award. To become part of an organization that brings together business, professional leaders to provide community service and advance goodwill, contact Findlay Rotary at findlayrotary.org and click on join. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You going on a date this weekend? What is your idea of the ideal date night? Maybe dinner and a movie, go to a show, go out dancing? No, no, no. Uh, Not according to young people today. Research from Bumble and Gymshark has found that 22% of Gen Zers and Millennials have worked out or attended a fitness class on a first date. (laughs) Nearly one in four. 32% have attended a fitness class with the intention of meeting a new partner. So forget going to the bars, going to fitness centers now to meet someone. 29% of those in the poll would rather hit the gym on a date than go to a bar. So it's not like they're doing this under protest. Uh, 29% say that, yeah, the gym is the the better option. Given the big uptick in people reducing their alcohol intake 
and refocusing on healthy lifestyles post-pandemic, that uh, that many on the hunt for love are, are keen to incorporate exercise uh, into their routine. Searching for love at the gym. Huh. I don't know. Um, so the next time, I get, you know, the, the thing that I take away from that, the big thing that I take away from that, next time you go to a gym, make sure you shower. <laughs> It is a Friday tradition for my wife, Kyra, to join us in the studio, and lo and behold, here she is. I'm alive still. <laughs> we are. You were a little under the weather earlier this I'm, week, and last last, last Friday, you last were Friday. Uh, a little under the and, weather. Feeling better week. today? I'm getting there. Getting there. Okay. I can't well, hear yet, but I'm getting there. Can't fully hear. No, Got that ear infection going there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, these things have been going around, but... Yeah. Uh, in any event. Yep, I'm getting there. Getting there. Uh, we do have another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. And uh, this was one that uh, we had the other day, didn't we? Yeah, we, we had it the other day, and my friend Anne was the one that told me about it. Aha. Uh-huh. So, so thank yes. you, Anne. Uh, this yes. is a recipe for chicken tetrazzini. Yes, so eight ounce thin spaghetti cooked, one cup cooked chicken, um, a half a cup of butter, one can of cream of celery soup, one cup of sour cream, quarter cup of dry white wine. Uh, if you don't have white wine, you can just use a chicken broth, uh, a half a cup or a half a teaspoon of kosher salt, half a teaspoon of ground black pepper, a quarter cup of Parmesan cheese, one cup of shredded mozzarella cheese. So pre your under oven to 350 degrees. Combine your butter, your chicken, your soup, your sour cream, your salt, your pepper, and your white wine. And then add in your cooked noodles. Pour into a buttered 8 by 8 baking dish. Sprinkle both cheeses on top. Bake in the oven for 45 minutes. Uh, 45 minutes <laughs> can be made in advance and refrigerated if you want to before cooking. Yeah, I was going to say, so, uh, mm-hmm. it's worth noting and, and yeah. highlighting, underscoring yeah. that you're only baking this for 45 minutes. Right. So obviously the chicken yeah. needs to be cooked prior because that's not right. going to be long enough right. to cook the chicken. Right. And as yeah, you mentioned, um, the uh, noodles need yeah, to be made what, too. Um, Ann did and what I did was um, you can get the uh, uh, rotisserie chicken already off the bone. Oh, okay. Um, and that's what... Both both of us used, and okay. it was really good. You now, can use canned chicken also. If, um, if you're using a rotisserie chicken, obviously that's, in most cases, been seasoned uh, already. So mm-hmm. it's going to have a little bit different bit taste seasoning. to it, uh-huh. a bit more seasoning yeah. if you're using the rotisserie versus like a canned chicken. Correct. Right. Correct. So your salt you and pepper, you'll want to uh, kind of maybe balance that out a little bit also. You might yeah. not want to use as much uh, more to taste yeah. than than what the recipe Good calls point. for. So. Yep. So um, then um, add, if, if you, you are taking it out of the refrigerator, add more time to your 45 minutes. So probably more like an hour okay. uh, to cook it. All right. So, so it is actually very easy yes. um, to... Take this after you cook the yeah. chicken, you cook the noodles, yep. and then yep. put it all together there, the chicken tetrazzini yep. recipe. Uh, to go along with that, we have a side of garlic parmesan fried corn. Yes, so two tablespoons of butter, 16-ounce bag of frozen corn, two tablespoons of cream cheese, uh, half a cup of grated parmesan, a quarter teaspoon of garlic powder, salt and pepper to taste. So melt your butter in a large pan over medium heat. Once the butter has melted, add your frozen corn to the pan and stir Stir the corn until it is thoroughly heated. This will take about five to to eight minutes. Uh, Stir in the cream cheese until it's melted. Um, Add the shredded cheese, the garlic powder. Stir until that's all well combined. Uh, Once the cheese has melted, remove from heat and season with salt and pepper as desired and enjoy. I'll tell you what, uh, obviously the recipe calls for frozen corn, but... I would hang on to that recipe and maybe do it uh, oh, when yeah. you get uh, into fresh the fresh corn, corn season. Yeah. yeah, that'd yeah. be really, really good. Yes. And uh, maybe even, well, I don't know, but here's an idea. Again, when you get into the fresh corn season, yeah. uh, maybe do that on the grill. Mm, yeah. Be grilled rather than fried. But, yeah. But, you know, yeah. I don't know. I think that might I be kind of good, too. be a twist. So, yeah. 
So just an idea there. Uh, let's see here. And for dessert, you were talking about uh, doing this for Easter. Yes. It is, uh, and it does have that kind of uh, fresh yeah. Easter kind fresh, of vibe to it here. A, yeah. a lemon pretzel dessert. Yeah. So this is two and a half cups of pretzels crushed, uh, two teaspoons of vanilla extract, uh, two thirds cup brown sugar, two tablespoons of flour, half a cup of butter melted, eight ounce cream cheese at room temperature, one cup powdered sugar, eight ounce quip and 22 ounces of your lemon pie filling in the can. So uh, preheat your oven to 350 degrees, crush your pretzels and uh, in small pieces using a food processor. If you don't have a food processor, you can always use like your rolling pin or a cup mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, just put it in a baggie and crush it that way. In a medium bowl, add your pretzels, your vanilla, your brown sugar and flour. Stir until combined. Melt butter and add to the pretzel mixture. Stir until that is all completely combined. Spread the mixture into a 9 by 13 baking dish, reserving a half a cup for the topping. Um, press mixture into an into it evenly, a small layer, smooth layer on the bottom of, the, of your uh, baking dish. Bake for about 10 minutes and let cool completely. Um, so then while that's cooling in a medium bowl, you can uh, beat together your cream cheese until smooth and then add your powdered sugar. Beat until combined and then add your Cool Whip and mix just until combined. Um, so you can actually... Um, uh, just blend that together with like your spatula. Um, okay. You don't have to use a mixer for that if you don't want to. All right. Uh, once the crust, um, once the crust has completely cooled, spread your cream cheese mixture over the pretzel layer. Top with your lemon pie filling. Spread that evenly. Sprinkle then your remaining pretzel mixture over the top. Cover and refri- refrigerate for four hours or overnight. Okay, that uh, so sounds really, really good. easy. Yeah, uh, sounds really good and uh, be again perfect for yeah. uh, Easter. Easter is coming up, by the way. Yes. And um, next week, next Ugh. week, we'll have uh, maybe some Easter uh, yeah. themed uh, recipes, yes. recipes for your yes. uh, Easter dinner. And uh, if you have a favorite yes. uh, Easter recipe, Please. love for you to share it yep. uh, with us. You can go to the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at yep. Kyra's Kitchen WFIM and share your favorite uh, Easter mm-hmm. recipe. You can send it directly or you can post it right there yep. uh, on the page. Um, or if you're looking for a recipe, yeah. uh, by all means, let us know. Again, yeah. at uh, at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. Find uh, all of those recipes uh, that we talked about this morning and a lot more. The uh, chicken tetrazzini, the garlic parmesan fried corn, and the lemon pretzel dessert, which yes. sounds absolutely scrumptious. There you go. Uh, my wife Kyra with us uh, this morning. More recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net, where you can also connect with us on social media, sign up for our daily email newsletter, and more. Again, goodmornings.net. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. I'll catch you back here next week.